Hello and welcome to another episode of our Brothers Creed podcast where we talk about motivation, experiences, and we explore the world around us. We are the Thomas Brothers, and I'm Jared. And I'm Ethan. And today we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving. We're going to be talking about history of Thanksgiving. We're going to be talking about some cool stories about Thanksgiving. We're going to be talking about uh, some interesting facts about Thanksgiving. And why we love Thanksgiving. yeah, and why we love Thanksgiving. Maybe even some traditions and different things like that. So it's just it's a great time of year, um, and you know it's 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 an exciting time to get together and to to eat some good food and to spend time with family and, and to be thanks. to be thankful for the things that we've been given. That's right. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Spartans, what is your profession? Any man who must say, I am the king, is no true king. What I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! Let us all unite! Let us fight for a new world! A decent world! So... Talking about Thanksgiving, I thought it would be prudent to go back to understand where Thanksgiving came from. And the story is uh, so interesting. You know, we love history on this podcast. Uh, I heard something from another podcast the other day that I feel like is so uh, so true about ours, too. The guy said, uh, every podcast he gives, he's like, I want people to either be entertained, uh, to learn something, or to be inspired. And I'm like, hey, that's basically exactly what, what we do too. So uh, hopefully you'll get uh, all three of those things in this in this episode today. So taking you back uh, to the year 1620, when the Mayflower, filled of uh, religious refugees, uh, the Puritans, left Plymouth, England for the United States. So there was 102 passengers aboard that ship. Now the journey was, was pretty hard. They left in September... So, if you think about September, you're already into the fall. Uh, and they got once they got to uh, the North American continent, they had hoped to come in right in kind of the New York area, but they ended up in kind of the Massachusetts Bay area. And what happened is they ended up spending the winter uh, just kind of sitting there in the bay. Some went ashore, but most of them tried to just stay in the boat because they didn't have anything built, and the winter was, was, was pretty brutal. Uh, that actually ended up wiping out half uh, of the people that were on that boat, uh, so they died from exposure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If staying on the boat would be the best idea. Hey, I mean, man, I guess at least you have a structure, you... a, a, something over your head, as opposed to just in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's hard to go f- cut down yeah. trees and do all that kind of stuff in the winter. Um, That's true. But they were getting dying from exposure, dying from uh, uh, disease, uh, dying from scurvy, all all different kinds of stuff. Uh, and so in March. They finally kind of emerged and started building up a little uh, uh, town there, a colony. So they were visited uh, by a member of the Abenaki tribe, uh, which not to be confused with Anunnaki. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, a different tribe. That's a different. That's a different. Uh, so it's an ex yeah an extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial tribe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the tribe, uh, and and then this guy actually spoke English, and he said, "Hey, let me introduce you to another guy." Uh, and they introduced him to a uh, Native American Indian called named Squanto. Does that name sound familiar to you? Yeah. Squanto. The story of Squanto is so interesting. Uh, he was a he was 
from that area, and he was captured by an English sea captain many years earlier, and he was sold into slavery. Uh, he was lived in a, a, a monastery for a while. He escaped slavery. Uh, he moved to England, which some think that this is the early 1600s, that he uh, may have got touch base with Pocahontas when she was in England. Uh, and then he eventually made his way back to the Americas on an exploration trip. And he came back. Wasn't there a movie? Wasn't there a movie called Squanto? I'm not sure. Didn't we used to watch a movie? Didn't we used to watch a movie as kids growing up about a guy, an Indian guy that went and lived at a monastery? Didn't he like he like taught the monks how to like pop popcorn and stuff? And then he was oh, like yeah. playing lacrosse with them. Remember that? I do remember that. I don't know what the, I don't know what movie that was though. I think it was. I think it was Squanto. I think that's what it was called. Maybe. Hey man, we're just making connections all over the that's place. That's right, man. That's all. It's all weaves together. Yeah. Uh, so, I'll have to go back. I think that's. I think that's what it was. But okay, keep so, going. So he came back to the United States. Uh, his tribe had basically been wiped out. They don't know exactly why. They say disease. They say it may have been caused by the Europeans. Uh, but he ended up hooking up with this other tribe that was local there. Uh, that was known as the. Uh, probably going to butcher this, but Wampanoag, Wampanoag uh, tribe, and. So he was the one that had taught uh, that one guy English. And so they introduced him to Squanto, and, and, and Squanto's like, hey, I can help y'all. Uh, maybe let me, he actually lived amongst the pilgrims. He taught him all kinds of stuff. He taught him how to raise corn. He taught him how to extract sap from maple trees. He taught him how to catch uh, fish and avoid poisonous plants. He was teaching him all the down low on everything that what needed to know to, to survive in North America. And they were very gracious for that. Uh, and actually, they, they called him a, a great friend and a very dear, close friend. Um, he uh, Squanto introduced them to the Wampan, 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 Wampanag tribe. Uh, it's kind of spelled really weird. Uh, and that, uh, that alliance between those pilgrims and that tribe lasted for over 50 years uh, as a peaceful alliance. So I think that... You know, nothing lasts forever, but I think that this is kind of a, a cool beginning and a cool story. There's so many cool aspects to this story uh, that are grateful, and I'll share my more thoughts later. Uh, so the winter, uh, that winter, the governor of the, or the, that fall, after the har- fall harvest or autumn harvest, uh, the governor of the colony named William Bradford uh, organized a celebration, and he invited the Wampanoag chief uh, named Masio Sot and many of his men. I think he had like 90 men that came with him. Also other leaders that they had worked with. Uh, and the festivities lasted three days. Uh, one of the pilgrims actually wrote about these festivities. So I thought it'd be cool to read the words that have survived about what this pilgrim said it was like uh, during this first, you could call it Thanksgiving. He said, our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fouling that so we might after a special manner rejoiced together, after we had gathered the fruits of our labors. They, four in one day, killed as much fowl as with a little help beside, Sev- uh, served the company almost a week, at which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indians coming amongst us, and amongst the rest of the great, and amongst the rest their greatest king, Masiat, who was the king of that tribe that was close by, with some 90 men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which they brought into the plantation and bestowed 
on our governor and upon the captains and others. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet be the goodness of God, we are so far from want, and we often wish you partakers of our plenty. And so I think it's, you know, these were very God-fearing people. They are Puritans. And so uh, they had this celebration, and they invited the Indians over, and they said, hey, let's, let's, let's eat together. And the chief came, and they had, were entertained them for three days, and it was a great celebration and a thankful celebration for what they had been taught and for the friendships that they had. Uh, I really like something you said there. Um, I actually even wrote it down. But I really like that that whenever you're reading that quote, it says we being so far from want. Uh-huh. I just thought that was kind of cool that it was just like, you know, they were that it, that kind of is, is another word, you know, another way of saying like they were just giving thanks for everything that they had, like that it so was just, blessed. yeah, it was so blessed. It was such good times. It was, you know, they were. Uh, you know, in, 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 I guess, you know, in abundance, maybe that they were so far from want, especially considering that that last prior winter, they were freezing to death. Terrible, half of yeah. them died. You know, can you imagine half of the people dying that you came over here with? I mean, that's oh, just crazy. So, uh, you know, that, that was kind of the first, uh, what was kind of recognized at first for a while. It was actually rec- that was considered like a religious holiday for the Puritans. Um, President George Washington celebrated uh, on kind of a Thanksgiving on November 26, 1789, in uh, uh, his Thanksgiving proclamation of 1789. He said he defines the day as a pious time to thank God for, amongst other things, protecting Americans as helping them achieve independence. So that was kind of where the president started to recognize uh, a Thanksgiving. Uh, and so there were different Thanksgiving things throughout uh throughout that time actually in some places you know they say oh well there was a thanksgiving in saint augustine because saint augustine is one of the oldest cities in in north america mm-hmm. and they say well there was a kind of a thanksgiving then and then there's actually two towns in texas that say oh the these old explorers uh you know had days of thanksgiving so this is the first thanksgiving so there's a couple of different contra- that, you know people say that it was that happened at different times but uh abraham lincoln finally there were some women that were uh advocating of the lady who wrote Mary had a little lamb. She was advocating for a day of Thanksgiving. So Abraham Lincoln finally like agreed in 1863 at the height of the civil war in a proclamation, uh, entreating all Americans to, he, uh, to ask God to quote, commend to his tender care, all those who have been become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentation and lamentable civil strife and to heal the wounds of the nation. So he scheduled uh, Thanksgiving uh, to be every th- the final Thursday of November, and that's where it kind of started. Later, you know, Franklin D. Roosevelt actually tried to move it up to be the third, um, to be the, like a week earlier to try to help with some kind of New Deal thing, but people were like, nah, not interested in that, so he ended up reversing it. But I think that's how it kind of got started. Just some of my thoughts, I think it shows... This story shows so many things. I think it shows kindness uh, of two peoples who were strangers to begin with, but they came together to survive. I think it shows of the character of those Native Americans who helped out these strangers to help them survive. 
I think it speaks, uh, it shows an example of gratitude, an example of uh, humility, that even though the Europeans were maybe more technologically advanced, that they were humble enough to uh, learn from the Native Americans and really uh, apply those things that, that helped them survive. Uh, it shows the kindness of Squanto, a man that had been sold into slavery by Europeans. Uh, and he comes back and he helped these tribes people um, in, in many ways. And, and I was actually doing a little bit of research on his life and all that he did for that tribe and, and rescuing lost children that had wandered from the tribe and, and being s- such a great advocate for, uh, excuse me, I didn't mean to say tribe, I meant the colony. There were some kids one time that strayed from the colony and he went and found them and you know negotiated with all these different tribes to get the kids back and he was a great uh a great man uh, and he put away the fact that maybe those Europeans had killed his whole tribe and he, he said I'm going to help these people and uh he helped them survive and so who and who knows how many descendants from that first crop of people are alive today because uh, he did that and so I, I think that the story of the first thanksgiving is one of kindness, brotherly love, rejoicing, reaping what you've sown of hard work, forgiveness, uh, collaboration, and then just the human spirit that exists in all of us to give thanks for the blessings and bounties that we receive uh, from God and from uh, the efforts of our own hands. And so I think it's a great story. Yeah, I I like that. And I mean, going into, yeah, kind of Thanksgiving, I mean, the 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 feeling is in the name right thanks giving thanks um there is a there is a definite power in being thankful um you know in in having an attitude of gratitude right there's a reason why people keep gratitude journals and there's a reason why um you know people with with uh that that are that acknowledge and are grateful are just more overall genuinely more positive and happy people um you know kind of a a tradition that we had growing up around thanksgiving is we would you know we'd have a big dinner we'd always get together with family but then one thing that we would try to do is we would uh after everybody ate we would all sit around the table and we'd go around and we'd say something that we are uh grateful for and it could be anything it could be anything from you know, family to sports to a comfortable bed or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and I always, I always really enjoyed that um, just because it kind of gives you a perspective into other people's lives a little bit and what they're thinking about. Um, but, you know, it also just provides an opportunity to say, you know, to go back and to say we are, you know, we are so, we, we are so far from want, right? Kind of what we were saying earlier that, that, that things are good, even even when things aren't good. There's always there's always a, a a lily among the thorns, right? There's always that that that, that rosebud. Lily so, meant to spinus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I had a cool story, and this was this was actually during uh, World War II. So the city of Luxembourg, what during World War II or a certain portion of World Is that War a country? II was Isn't Luxembourg a country? No, I think it's um. I think it's a town in in. Um, I thought it was like a really I tiny country. No, no, I think it was a city. Anyway, um, go ahead. But the the village of Luxembourg um, 
was under Nazi rule during uh, a portion of, of World War II. And so after much fighting um, and, 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 you know, quite hard battles in that area, uh, U.S. soldiers actually liberated the, the village of the city of Luxem- Luxembourg. And so the, the villagers were so grateful um, to the soldiers for liberating their city that um, they really like they, they invited all the soldiers to come to their to the city basically for rest and reprieve. So it was really close to the front line. Um, but, you know, whenever the city was under uh, Nazi rule, they were it was so regulated. There was curfews. They couldn't even play their traditional music and they couldn't dance and they couldn't uh, like it was just so regulated and so uh, just brutal in how they were living under Nazi rule that they were just so grateful. And the the the, uh, the one of the soldiers said that it was just like a. Uh, a cloud had been lifted from the city. And um, so this this city actually just became the people within this city. They, for, for many rounds and rounds and rounds of soldiers that would actually just come through their city, they would treat them like family. And they, they would let the soldiers stay in their homes, and they would, uh, uh, many soldiers went there after the front lines. They would go to this city, which was relatively close to the to the front lines, but they would go and that would kind of be like their R and R time, right? Where they would get a, a, a couple of weeks of to stay in this city and to uh, rest and to you know they could they they would trade their rations uh, to the people to to do their laundry and to um, you know just all different kinds of stuff and it was just it was a great situation all around. Well, one of the things that the people uh, of Luxembourg did was uh, in appreciation for the U.S. soldiers, they ended up having uh, large Thanksgiving meals. Um, and they would actually have, like, a turkey. And actually, turkeys weren't as prevalent, so they actually started having... Uh, there was a lot of geese, so they, they would cook goose and gravy, uh, and they would just kind of have a tr- as traditional of, a, a, of an American Thanksgiving holiday you could have. And every year they would have this. Um, and it would just it would, they would try to provide this opportunity for the soldiers to feel as close to home as possible. Um, and even after the war, Thanksgiving Day and even Halloween kind of slowly made it into the local customs of that area and of the the yearly calendar within that area. Um, and many Luxembourg families uh, still, remember in that you know 1944 Thanksgiving Day was kind of the uh, the the first year that they had done it um and it's kind of interesting because even to this day they still have um kind of they do some reenactments of this Thanksgiving in soldiers uh Thanksgiving Day uh, towards the end of November they do these reenactments and uh they're actually pretty popular um the, the Luxembourg, as well as some other bordering German areas, um, they invite any kind of American expatriates that are living there in the area, and they still do uh, kind of like Thanksgiving celebrations. That's cool. 
which is interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like almost kind of been bred into the to the culture of that specific area. It's almost like a uh, an ode to a liberator kind of. A, that's yeah, that's pretty cool. By adopting some of their customs, you know. Yeah, I I, I uh, found out one interesting thing about the turkey. Two interesting things about the turkey. Uh, did you know that Benjamin Franklin? He thought that the bald eagle was like a garbage bird that just was like, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything on its own. It's just a scavenger. And he's like, the turkey is really uh, what the American bird should be. He says, the turkey, quote, the turkey is a much more respectable bird. Uh, he said that he believed that the turkey was a bird of courage. <laughs> yeah. And with all, yeah, he said that. And he said, and with all, a, a turkey is a true native America an orig- uh, is a true original native of America. Yeah. Uh, an- another thing about turkeys that I found was interesting. So the name of Turkey. So during the time uh, of the, so during, you know, those times when America was recently discovered, uh, the, of the Ottoman empire was still around at that time. Uh, the Guinea fowl uh, birds that closely resembled turkeys were often imported from their native North African and, and Europe uh, to the to be eaten in London and Europe, uh, because Europeans received them from Turkish traders, they referred to them as turkey hens or turkey cocks. Uh, when settlers from America began to sending what they what we call turkeys today back to European counterparts, the latter, confused by the resemblance, began referring to them by the same name as well. So that's how they got. Named Turkey from the country Turkey. Huh. I wonder what we called them before that then. I, don't I wonder know. what they called them in. Well, I think they discovered them when they came to America and then they just called them. Yeah, turkeys. I wonder what they called them when. They, well, yeah. Yeah. Because they, I mean, they had that, seen that makes sense. Yeah. birds like that before. Like, oh, these are turkeys. You know? Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I got a, a couple uh, of interesting facts about Thanksgiving. And then I have one more story. But, uh, um, Let's see. There's an estimated 240 million turkeys that will be raised this year in the United States. 240 million. And 45 million of those, so about 18%, will be baked, grilled, or fried this Thanksgiving. Dude. I saw a guy frying a turkey in bacon grease. I was thinking about maybe trying to do that. For Thanksgiving, do it in the middle of your yard because it'll. No, <laughs> there's a chance of burning. Dad's driveway. I'm gonna do it in the middle of uh, mom and dad's uh, driveway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a grease stain. I'm gonna be on the driveway for the rest of all eternity. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, there was a there was a, a a burnt fire ring into the circle for about five years. <laughs> yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, for uh, for those who don't know, Ethan and I, whenever we got a new brother-in-law, we have three sisters, so whenever we got a new brother-in-law, we would always interrogate them. Uh, and this has started when we were, I think, the youngest, when I was like maybe 16, Ethan, when you were like 14. Uh, yeah, we, not we, a little bit earlier. We interrogated, uh, we did like an interrogation of uh, each of our brother-in-laws before we, let them, before we allowed them to marry our sisters. And so the last one, which is our youngest sister, we went all out. And we we we, we, had, we were we were a little bit older. Yeah, we were older, and then we had our other brother in laws join in, and we like, you know, put uh, our our youngest soon to be brother in law 
in the middle of the the cul-de-sac and we had we like tackled him put him in handcuffs and then put him in a chair chair in the middle of the cul-de-sac and then we 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 had (laughs) done a a big ring of gasoline around him we lit it on fire so we were all standing around like asking him questions like are you gonna be faithful are you gonna be a good provider you know just trying to intimidate him so he knows that what what he's walking into here uh, so anyway, yeah. I don't think he was intimidated, but no. I think everybody had a fun time. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, but there was there was a, a a a burn mark in the in the cul-de-sac for like <laughs> years after that from that circle around the. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was great. Uh, let's see. I, uh, I wasn't have... that around, that was around Thanksgiving, wasn't it? I feel like that was around Thanksgiving. Uh, I think it was maybe. Yeah, because it was kind of cold, and and uh, somehow. Somebody ended up without a shirt on, and we oh, were yeah. like, "What happened?" You're like, "I don't know. I just got into it. I just got took my shirt off." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, let's see. I have, I have another fa- interesting fact. Okay, go ahead. So, Roto Rooter, <laughs> the ones who clean out your sewer pipes and clogged pipes, they say that the day after Thanksgiving is the the busiest day of the year for them for clogged drains and stuff <laughs> like that. So. Multiple reasons, obviously, but you got usually more people in your house than you typically have, more people flushing the toilet than you typically have, washing clothes, taking showers, uh, people, people stuffing uh, people stuffing potato peels down the garbage disposal. Oh yeah, so the, all kinds of reasons why you got people clogging up their drains. So don't pour grease down your drain. Uh, and uh, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Man, like, after all that Thanksgiving meal, man, people were just blowing out yeah. their sewers. <laughs> Blowing the porcelain, man. Or clogging up their sewers and then the road rooters going to come out and blow it out. Uh, another interesting one I thought was interesting. So in 1953, uh, a Swanson employee accidentally ordered too much turkey. They accidentally ordered 260 tons too much turkey. <laughs> and so... Um, they uh, had these frozen turkeys that were just taking up space in like 10 massive refrigerator uh, train cars that they had. And it was going to go bad. I mean, there's 260 tons of turkey. And so one of the uh, company salespeople suggested that they that they uh, prepare it and that they prepackage this turkey, that they cook it up and then prepackage it with uh, sides in com- compartmentalized aluminum trays, mm-hmm. and then they cover them with a type of, uh, you know, Saran cellophane wrap, type yeah. thing. Yeah, shrink wrap. And um, that year, Swanson sold 5,000 TV dinners in 1953. Uh-huh. The following year, they sold 10 million wow. TV dinners. Did people cook those in the oven? They must have if it was aluminum, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, before the microwave, they just heat. Yeah, heated heated them up in the oven. Uh, but that was kind of the the birth of the uh, the TV, TV dinner. dinner. Nice. Whatever I think of TV dinners, I think of that creepy movie Matilda. <laughs> Did you know that during that? So Danny, my wife, my wife loves that movie. That was like one of her, their favorite movies growing up. I always thought that movie I was just hated that movie. Creepy. It was so creepy. And it gave me like, it gave me like, just like. They say the ick nowadays because I just felt like how could someone be so horrible to a child? Um, yeah. Apparently, though, Danny DeVito, who is the dad in that movie, uh, that little girl's mom 
the little girl who played Matilda, she like her mom was going through like cancer or something like that. So Danny DeVito like took that girl into his own home and and like kind of let her stay with his own family for like months and months and months while his while that girl's mom was going through like all kinds of crazy stuff. So that was kind of cool. Really? Um, yeah, dude. That I f- I always felt like that one uh, the one head principal lady of the the school oh yeah dude i feel like she should have been locked up she should have been given the death penalty for Strung treating up, some man. of those kids the way she, oh yeah, yeah man. man i have no room for that dude that that was that always made me that movie made me mad really i think is what it was is it made me feel like and that, i was telling shannon this the other night okay this has nothing to do with thanksgiving but this is <laughs> this is a hot take on why i don't like movies that show like abusive kids so there's this movie that came out that's called where the crawdads sing mm-hmm and part of the movie is like this girl who grows up in like an abusive home. Uh, her dad's abusive hits her, that kind of stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't like this. Like it, like whenever I see that type of stuff in movies, it makes me feel like m- almost like mad and angry. And I'm like, I, I'm try- I was trying to articulate like why I, I don't like that in movies, or it makes me feel so uncomfortable. It's because I'm like, well, I think what it is, it's like I'm watching this. And it's almost like I'm in that room because I'm, I'm watching the movie. So it's almost like I'm there, but I'm totally helpless to do anything about it. And there's nothing that makes me more mad than like someone abusing a child or, 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 or like treating a child that way. Like in Matilda or in this other movie where the dad's hitting, yeah. hitting his, his like yeah. nine-year-old daughter. And that just makes me so angry because I can't do anything about it. It, it just is so frustrating and, and uneasing. Uh, so... I don't know. That's why I don't like movies like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so back to Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you know, did you know that uh Jingle Bells was originally a Thanksgiving song? I, it was called uh, I think it was called it was called One Horse Open Sleigh and it was a Thanksgiving song originally. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. I, I have one other p- interesting piece here. So I know we talked about how great Thanksgiving was before uh, and how I feel it's actually uh, an ode to the kindness of the Native Americans in that area and the kindness that Squanto showed uh, the people. I think it's a, a great yep. expression of their love. But actually, there's a lot of Native Americans. Well, I don't know how many, but there are some at least, you know, probably the same ones who disagreed with the Redskins. You know, some di- agreed and some, dis- some disagreed. Uh, but there are some honestly many, probably not many. It was probably mostly white. Well, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> white, white women, white liberal women that <laughs> yeah, exactly. were upset about it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, there, there's they do these. There's a protest every year at the Plymouth Rock that is a protest by the Native Americans. I would be interested to see how many Native Americans actually show up to it. Uh, but they protest. You know the Europeans stealing their lands, massacring their people, and all and so forth, um, which I think is kind of sad because uh, the story of Thanksgiving is is such a rich heritage of those Native Americans being so kind and being so helpful. It's almost like I don't know if I would say it's just it's almost like as much their holiday as it is as it is the European settlers' holiday. Yeah, for sure. I would say it even more be. so because I mean, it was they're a the partnership. Ones, yeah. And so it's almost like an ode to them for all their kindness and that they showed, and then we should be grateful for that. And so, I don't know. I, maybe I don't understand the full breadth of the issue, but that's my opinion. Hmm. 
so I had a another story. Um, gives a little bit of interesting background. So you know, around this time of year, around Thanksgiving, you really will see, uh, you know, food banks and um, charitable donations, and uh, they'll they'll have uh, turkey giveaways for the less fortunate and everything else. Um, which uh, was is very popular, you know. Here in the area, we have what the you know the loaves and fishes, where they they collect food and and give it to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, underprivileged areas. Well, uh, believe it or not, um, the 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 charitable convention of of handing out turkeys on Thanksgiving was actually started by the mafia. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, on Thanksgiving Day in 1930, I mean, people were obviously generous before this, but this kind of like set, like kind of kicked off a precedence, right? Or an idea. On Thanksgiving Day 1930, Al Capone said that he was going to personally donate 5,000 turkeys. Um, And what he was doing is basically he was just trying to buy, he was trying to buy the people. Community uh, favors. In the area. He's trying to buy, I mean, 1930s, that's like, uh, that's depression era, right? Um. And so, uh, you know, a lot of these people were were suffering. They might not even have had food or anything else for a nice Thanksgiving dinner, but he was going to provide them. He provided five thousand turkeys, um, and so uh, it, it was kind of interesting because it said um, he actually funneled this through. He was uh the let's see he was the owner and kind of the regulator for uh, one of the largest um, uh, charitable uh, soup kitchens, what they called them, called The Loop in in Chicago. And he actually ran The Loop or this soup kitchen, um, kind of, it was one of the largest in the state, and he kind of funneled money through it uh, Hmm. for a couple different things. And um, kind of used a charitable charitable do- donation or used a charitable organization as a guise for tax evasion. Huh? Where, no where else way. does that sound hmm, familiar? That sounds familiar. Oh, oh, I can think some. I can think of some foundations. foundations yeah, exactly. Some foundations that do something very similar. That receive donations from other countries for millions and millions of oh, dollars. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um. <laughs> And so it says that uh, he he claimed expenditures that year of twelve thousand uh, dollars during the great during the Great Depression of those five thousand turkeys, and uh, I guess he wrote it off of his taxes or something like that. And that wasn't yeah. the that wasn't the reason that they got him on tax evasion, but uh, you know that was just one of the things that he did. But yeah. basically, it was it was contributing that to where you see lots of people nowadays anywhere from. Uh, you know, movie celebrities to basketball players to, um, you know, large churches in the area will do these massive uh, turkey drives and everything's like that. Not that they're following this, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's a good way of to, to buy favor and, and to uh, help, the import, in, help, the, in, help the help the less the less. Yeah, I was gonna say in a deeper, fortunate. more sentimental way to help those that are less fortunate, Indeed, yeah. uh, which I really think is is a good thing. Yeah, I think uh, it's wonderful. There's a lot of people that volunteer this time of year uh, to help work in soup kitchens and you know 
uh, I, I remember when I was in Salt Lake, uh, there was uh, a park downtown. There was like absolute oh, horrible, like homeless people all over this public park. People literally doing heroin out in the open, and the cops didn't do anything about it because they they didn't have enough room in the jails to even arrest these people. So there, you you walk around. You I I never walked around there, but I drove my car by there many times on the way to work, and it's just like unbelievable garbage everywhere. You know, tents, makeshift. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, there's a church that would go and um, they would do breakfast like uh, every more every Sunday morning they would do breakfast. That was like their their terrible thing and then on Thanksgiving they would do a big Thanksgiving meal in the park uh, for anybody that just was there and so that was really cool that they did that yeah I think that's cool it's a great way to bring people together um, you know I think holidays in general and we've had lots of examples of this is you know people even in times of dispute and everything else for some reason it seems like the holidays is a time where people can um just kind of relate maybe on a, on a deeper level with, with other people and, um, you know, have the, have the opportunity to, uh, you know, grow relationships and to, um, you know, I don't know, just be extra grateful for all the things that we have, uh, we've been blessed with. And they can see the humanity maybe a little bit easier than they, than they have in, in the past or at other times of year. See like, Hey man, it's cold outside. These people are hungry. I'm inside eating this wonderful meal with my family. I'm so grateful how can I help those who, who don't have as much? Yeah. So maybe that's a challenge that we can leave our audience is to think about ways that you can, uh, first of all, I challenge everybody to be to, to count your blessings and, and think about the things that you're grateful for uh, this Thanksgiving. Uh, give thanks. Think about the bounties that you have been blessed with. Uh, give thanks to um, God. Give thanks to uh, those who support you. Give thanks to your wife. Give Give thanks to your employer. Uh, give thanks to uh, those who uh, who help you, and and also give thanks to yourself for for har- for reaping what you've sown and for doing hard work and providing for your family. And then I would say a challenge is go out and try to do something good for someone else, uh, and try to lift up your neighbor, try to lift up someone who's less fortunate. Uh, and I would also add a, a, an additional rider to that challenge. Maybe try to do something anonymous, anonymously, uh, so that it's not about the praise. It's not about you know kissing babies. It's not about saying, "Hey, I gave you, you know, five hundred dollars. I gave your family five hundred dollars last last Thanksgiving. How did you spend it?" You know, maybe just do something uh, really anonymous that would would bless someone uh, that uh, just comes from the ether, and they don't they don't need to know who it's from. Just do good and, and be that good person. Yeah. Um. I can say uh, from a, a, a personal note, um, my wife and I, this was several years ago, um, you know, we had, uh, we were a young family, we had two kids, uh, I was going to school full time, plus trying to work, you know, uh, at that time as well, uh, things were extremely tight financially. Um, we were living in a tiny little apartment and, uh, one, uh, it was between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but we, uh, received a, um, uh, an anonymous, let's say an anonymous donation to our family. 
um, in the form of uh, gift cards. And um, we we have some uh, some some maybe some ideas or some thoughts of potentially who it was maybe, uh, but uh, I I will say that that was um, that was something that we will will never forget. Um, that was a blessing that um, that that we will talk about for for the rest of our lives for sure. Um, and it was. Uh, anonymous and it was loving and um you know something that 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 will stick with you because uh, it it has stuck with us and so i completely agree jared find find an opportunity to to serve i think one of the best things you can do in uh serving others is uh or, or one of the best ways you can give thanks is to serve others it doesn't have to always be financially or whatever it may be but uh, do something extra, um, you know, do, do something more. And I think that is, a uh, uh, definitely a way that I, and I'm sure Jared and everyone else, we invite you out there to add to your personal creed and to serve and be thankful, be grateful and help others. So that's what we're going to do. And let's we invite it. you to do it with us and let's build our creed together. Let's do it. Happy Thanksgiving y'all.